You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to talk to Michael Misewicz about building a data science team. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, great to be here. Terrific. Well, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. I always get the guests to introduce themselves because I don't think I can ever do justice to your introduction. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a data science person. I've been uh, sort of in the industry for about uh, eight years now. Uh, prior to sort of working in industry, I, was, uh, I worked in the life sciences, actually. My master's was in computer science, neuroscience, and cell biology. Um, but I've always like had a really strong interest in computers and data ever since I was a little kid. Uh, and after finishing my master's degree, I sort of decided to pivot into industry, um, where I worked for um, I think six years at a company called eight, uh, called AppNexus, uh, which was a real time advertising exchange, uh, which ultimately was acquired by AT and T in two thousand eighteen. Uh, and when I was there, I led the data science team that was responsible for anti fraud, which is an interesting problem in online advertising. Uh, and then I moved on to Yext uh, almost 18 months ago, uh, where I'm leading the data science efforts to build a new search product called Yext Answers. Um, and that's kind of the you know short, very one-minute version of it. But, yeah. And what does Yext Answers do? Uh, so the, the the pitch basically is that like you know right now the Google really runs our world in a way that is really fascinating. Um, and what happens is. Most people are trained to go to Google to look up things. Google is in a tricky situation because they have to crawl the entire web, uh, select data, identify it, present it, answer it, and then they also have to monetize it with advertisements. And you know, they've been very successful as that, as you know, everyone knows. Um, but the problem is that you know, the brand is not necessarily in control of their own information. And so Yext's uh, vision is that basically every brand controls all of the facts about their business. And then Yext Answers is a natural language interface which allows people to search that. Um, and the idea is that we want people to be able to be in control of their own information. And the job of data science is to build algorithms and product features which allow people to search that information. So the brand should be the source of truth for their facts. And then we need to have a really good interface to search that, uh, which is you know competitive with Google, basically, in terms of what the experience is like. Um, so we're using a lot of state-of-the-art natural language processing and algorithms to make that a reality. Superb. I'm excited because I don't know if we've had, I think the podcast has 80 plus episodes. I don't think we've actually ever had a data scientist on the po- on the podcast. So I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, well, I got lots of opinions about it, so it should be good. Superb. <laughs> so let's start with this. Like, Can you define data science uh, for us? Oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a tough thing. I, I think one of the problems with uh, data science as a discipline is that it means so many things to different people. And um, you know, and this is this is what makes it really challenging is that you can sort of see it through many different lenses. And uh, when you say, you know, and it also unfortunately makes the field very susceptible to buzzwords and distortions and, uh, you know, like kind of that kind of stuff. 
And in general, I would sort of say that it means a group of talented people who have multidisciplinary skills, who know how to do clever things with data. Um, and that sometimes can mean that you're producing product features. It sometimes means you can be involved in like operations of a company. It sometimes means you can be involved in marketing. It's really a, a broad spectrum of things you can do. Uh, and I think what's also important to call out is that, you know, although the term we use today is data science, it's not a new discipline per se. Uh, you know, when I was in school, uh, you know, in the life sciences, everyone was really, really excited about uh, computational biology and bioinformatics. Um, and it's really kind of the same thing. And then, you know, I've heard that in finance, they had quantitative analysts in the 80s. And I was reading a really interesting article in The New Yorker a while ago about uh, a company in the 60s called the Similatics Corporation, I believe, uh, which was like a company that compiled a bunch of data for the Kennedy uh, campaign in the 60s and helped them get, um, you know, helped them get elected. And, you know, today we call all that data science, but it's always been sort of a, a thread throughout history that's been kind of going on as long as, you know, really since the advent of computers. Uh, so that kind of makes it really hard to define, but I would sort of say that I think it's a multidisciplinary field that is kind of an intersection of like applied statistics, uh, product management, uh, data engineering, and business analysis. And when I say applied statistics, I can also, in my book, include machine learning. And I think that's kind of what it is. Now, what happens, though, is from, from company to company, circumstance to circumstance, project to project, person to person, the exact mixture of those different skills will sort of change and vary. Um, and so even on a certain team, you might have, like, within one company, you might have, you know, some people that are more like data engineering. You might have some people that are more like statistics. You might have people that are more machine learning or more people that are more analytical. So it, it can be very uh, mushy. Uh, and the other thing that it makes it hard to define precisely is that, you know, what, what do you really do when you're doing data science? Um, I, you know, if you ask me, I think the answer is that you're finding answers to questions where you don't know the answers ahead of time. Uh, and this might be something like hypothesis testing. So sort of the classic example is like A-B testing and sort of like a marketing or, you know, website kind of context. Uh, you might have something that's like prediction. So, you know, can I build a model to predict something I care about? Um, and that's like something like, for example, all of Netflix, they want to predict like, you know, how well can they retain customers? Can they predict what you want to watch? Like all that is data science. Uh, I think you have another branch of data science, which is like retrieval. So here I've got a big giant pile of data that is my logs from, say, my email marketing campaigns. Like what can I find in there that's like going to help me make better decisions as a business? How good is the data? How clean is it? Or I've got all these like, you know, this data I collected from Twitter or I scraped the web or, you know, you could just imagine. Uh, and then lastly, I think like you often as data scientists will work on something like uh, correlation and causation analysis. And the goal there is to help the company make a good decision about something like should we do take, you know, course X or take course Y to do some sort of, you know, business objective. Um, and then can we quantify and measure like how much uncertainty and noise there is in, in our measurements that we're using to make these decisions? So data scientists, you know, the role of data science is to process all of this information and help the company make a decision about it. So you're not necessarily shipping code. You're not necessarily writing a product spec. You're not necessarily, you know, producing like, a, you know, a website. But you need to use all those skills to some extent. Uh, but ultimately, data science delivers like understanding and knowledge um, about something you didn't know about before. So that's what makes it kind of a hard thing to define exactly. But I kind of feel like that's the direction I would go with it. I, I want to zone into one thing that you said in there, the data science framework, right? Because you started talking about data analyst, data engineer, like the different types. Like, like, can you expand it a bit on the framework? Because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm with you. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't know the answer to a problem and there's data available, data right. science can help you, right? Like, like yeah. that's the, 
I would say the the philosophical definition, and you need to be aligned to it. And and a lot of people go wrong when they're just not open in their minds to believing that the data exists right. that can help them. Right? Like that. That's like a big, big, big step. It, and and for me too. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that that I was different i when i started with in my day job right like trying to work with data i i had this like mental block right right and 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 the reason why i had the mental block was because in a lot of executive meetings when data is shown the f- easiest thing to do is say the data is bad right? right the hardest thing to say to do is why is the data good right yeah. and executive meetings aren't long enough to actually sit down and inspect all the sources right so right. there is a philosophical thing but if we get an appreciation for the different roles or your framework for data science, I personally feel like like you can bite-size this thing and uh, and digest it. And then if you have one day, you'll have conviction that this is going to help you. And then that's where the true journey starts. Yeah, I do have a framework for this. And uh, I mean, at least at Yex, this is sort of how I've structured things, which is I think the data science department, which, you know, the department could be one person or it could be 30 people, but the department should do four functions. Um, one of them is machine learning and applied statistics. Um, so that's like your regressions, your, you know, deep learning, potentially random force, like all that machine learning stuff. Uh, I think there should be uh, a function for experiments and analysis, which is, uh, you know, hey, we want to conduct an A-B test, like which practitioner practitioner can help me do this. Um, there should be a function for uh, data mining and retrieval, which I think is probably the one that you put the least emphasis on in the beginning with a with a new team and more as the company gets more mature or the function gets more mature. Um, and lastly, and this I think is very much to what you were just saying, I think there should be a function for data governance. And the responsibility of data governance is not like people often talk about like, you know, uh, compliance. Um, it's more like, where does this data come from? Who made it? What are the columns? How is it filtered? What does it mean? How much can we trust it? Basically, like addressing all of those, everything you just described in that executive meeting that is a problem there should be a data scientist who can be the quote unquote expert on this data who says, we can trust this data for these purposes and here's why. And you can don't necessarily have to be, you can't necessarily go in all that detail all the time, but to just sort of be like the domain expert in how, how is this data governed from a like information content perspective. Uh, and I think that's how I would break it down personally. Uh, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know how in publicly traded companies, every slide starts, every presentation starts with a safe harbor statement, mm-hmm. right? There should be like a safe data harbor statement, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the data is great. We got it from this, this, this source. If you're worried about the source, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, here's a link you go to to validate everything in your free time. Have a great weekend. But let's right. talk about it this, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Or, or like, you know, but but also I think part of that is like, hey, this is the data we have and this is how much uncertainty, like, uh, you know, imagine like, uh, you know, the sort of the classic example is you look at the bell curve and there's something in statistics that's really important called the central limit theorem. Uh, you know, let's say you had a thermometer that was accurate, like, you know, within plus or minus five degrees Fahrenheit every time you took a measurement. And the question you're asking is, what temperature is it? Well, the data scientist should say, like, well, it's probably 82 degrees Fahrenheit, but it might be as low as, uh, you know, 76 or it could be as high as 87. And this is, you know, and then someone has to say, OK, well, are we cool with this? So like that kind of like quantifying uncertainty is I think a really important job that data science needs to do. And I sort of group that into the data governance bin. Super. I mean, uh, the, the, the two words that you just used there, quantifying uncertainty, I feel like for all the data-driven people that, that are out there, or at least the people that claim that they're data-driven, right? If they just see that or just see some measure of it, 
they can start living with it, right? And then you get into the why question versus the how and the what and et cetera, et cetera question. No. Superb. And how big is your team? Like, 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 I feel like you have a sizable team, but I guess a question for you both on how big is your team? And if you had all the resources in the world, how big would your team be to solve this problem that you're trying to solve at Yext? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, right now my team at Yex is on the smaller side. We're only three people, but it's a fairly new uh, team within the company. So we're sort of growing it, um, you know, organically, I would say. Um, and our hope is to be, you know, in the neighborhood of five to six, uh, maybe within six months time. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a good size for a data science team with one level of management. Um, and when I was at AppNexus, the data science team was actually 30 people. Um, and it was pretty well divided into different product areas. Um, and I think that would be, that's a pretty big data science team, I think, 30 people. Um, so that's probably bigger than I would say we need at EX at the moment. Um, but, you know, maybe within two years time, we'd need something that big. Um, and also, I think you could probably specialize into, um, you know, some of the engineering tasks could be sort of specialized into like maybe engineering roles. So there can be some specialization that goes on. But I think five to six is a good size to start with. Um, and then over time, grow it as you need it, as the product, your demand for product features requires, I would say. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other interesting piece, at least that I've found, right, is so now you have this data science team, right, that they want to, they have these analyst roles, engineer roles, retrieval roles, the governance roles, right? They're all like this department or let's call it the part, right? Now, now there is, merit to keep the pod together because they're all working on the same setup right? right but then you know go to market teams they want their own data scientist or data engineer and data or data analyst i mean they all start with a data analyst and then the, the i'm assuming the the requirements start the product teams they wanted the business teams may, may want the finance teams may wanted the, the legal team may want the data governance person to like sit right. with them like like how do you think about org structure Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I guess in all of my roles so far, I've been kind of like focused on doing something with the product uh, or, I mean, AppNexus, it was a marketplace situation. So we were involved in removing bad actors from the marketplace. At Yex, it's product feature development. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that I have a ton of experience with like working with a legal team. Well, that's actually not true. I actually did work with a legal team quite a bit, but, <laughs> uh, or not, not so much sales. Uh, so I think it's a tricky question. Uh, and one of the problems is that like everyone wants more, more, more all the time. So I think when you're managing a data science team, uh, you need to sort of prioritize like where you can do the most good. Uh, and it is also hard because you need to have people working on the in the pod, as you say, um, which I, I, my philosophy is to pick people who are sort of multidisciplinary and are able to sort of adjust the ratio of their different skills depending on the problem. Uh, and I, I think that's a little bit of a rare skill set because people tend to like to specialize a little bit more. Um, so you kind of just, I think, need to prioritize as a function of, you know, how much capacity you have um, and pick the projects that have the highest value. And you do need to have a pretty good um, ability to sort of size up a project beforehand and find ways to sort of gracefully decline uh, projects that are going to be a lot of work but don't provide a lot of value per se. Uh, but it is also really beneficial if you're able to, you know, sort of go one level beyond, like, Often people will ask a question and they frame it as like an analysis question. Like, hey, I want to see the number of, uh, you know, sales we had in, you know, a particular segment of customers last quarter. Uh, but you need to be able to say like, well, why? Well, what, what are you trying to do there? And they'll say, oh, actually, I think I have, I have a belief that this segment of business is 
you know, growing or not growing or whatever. And you can sort of maybe get a little bit deeper and try to get to like a higher level of like causality potentially. And then you can maybe propose uh, work that is going to be a little bit higher leverage that can maybe address a larger systemic problem. So being able to think, um, you know, a couple layers up, I think is good when you are capacity limited. And I think with knowledge occupations, you're almost always capacity limited. Um, so you have to, I think, be thoughtful about that. Superb. One thing I've philosophically learned over the last few years is, is when these territorial things start happening, I always say, hey, whichever leader cares the most about this team and is personally going to drive their success should own it. Always works out great, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, data science has always been like in a technology organization every place I've worked. Um, I know larger companies, like for example, AT&T, they had many centers of, of data science throughout the company. Um, but, you know, I think like in a thousand person company or something like that, you know, it, it's logical to have it centralized. Um, but when the company gets really big, I think you can start to have multiple centers of data science and then maybe like one central organization that is like a center of excellence. So, I think there are many models. I think the bigger the company, the more you need to break out data science more in the company. But maybe on the smaller side, you have it more centralized. So there's definitely a balancing act to be had there. And uh, I think that question is probably above my pay grade to a certain extent. <laughs> no problem. Well, let's get it to get you to a level two. It is part of your pay grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So can you share some lessons learned from building data science teams? Because I feel like the, the it can start anywhere, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden you have like four or five people and then then they're losing purpose. And, you know, like right. I've seen some of this stuff happen with data science teams, but can you share your lessons learned from me? Yeah, well, I, I think there's um, kind of two ways of going about it. Um, one of my colleagues at AppNexus said that I, I do a really good job uh, running a uh, bottom-up kind of data science approach. Um, so my, my style has always been to look for someone in the company or anywhere in your environment who is, uh, you know, just curious and experimenting with something. Uh, so I, I think most places you're going to find someone who's like, hey, look at this cool thing I figured out, or I was able to download this report and I put it into this like, you know, dashboard or something like that. Those are the people you want to look for when you want to build a team from scratch. And you want to like talk to them and brainstorm with them and start giving them like coaching um, and start giving them resources and let them experiment. Uh, and then often they're going to have a lot to learn. Like, you know, you need to learn how to use, you know, particular programming tools and programming packages. Uh, you need to learn like the math. You need to learn about the methods. You need to go read papers. You have a lot of work to do. But you look for someone who has, uh, you know, sort of like asking questions of themselves like, hey, what if I did this? Or, oh, what's under this? Or you want to look for that natural, natural curiosity and start to collect those people together. Uh, and start building a center of excellence. And you want to look for people who are autodidactic. So, you know, someone who has figured out something on their own is someone you really want to be looking for. And then you start there. Um, and then over time, you need to start uh, basically matching like business problems with people's aptitudes. Um, and so if you have, um, you know, a particular problem that he's solving, you say, oh, who's the person on my team who's going to be really motivated and excited to to really dig deep and figure this out? Because the, the job of data science is to just figure out problems that are, you know, just really challenging. So you want to make sure you match them as optimally as possible. Um, and then I think you sort of keep doing that. And over time, you need to start building structure. So, you know, once you have sort of a good uh, rhythm and sort of like that, you know, sort of second phase there, they need to move to a third phase, um, which is more structure and specialization. And I mentioned earlier the different functions of data science. Um, so you need to start specializing into like, you know, what, is the, what are the group of people that are doing, you know, machine learning problems and who are doing the analysis problems and who's doing the information retrieval problems. 
Um, who's in charge of data governance? Like, who's going to help me? Like, are we going to have specialized engineering roles? I think it's sort of a, a more mature phase, maybe after a couple of years. That's what you got to really start thinking about. Um, and I think I would really credit my uh, former boss at AppNexus, uh, Catherine Williams. She really did a great job, I think, um, adjusting the structure of the team and introducing specialization as the profile of the team sort of uh, gained um, you know, prominence throughout the company over time. And I, I think that's really important. I also think that uh, we're getting a really good relationship with product is really important and also really hard because um, one of the problems with a lot of data science assignments is that it's like, you don't really know the answer because that's why you have data science. You're like, how long is it going to take to answer this question? And I have to say, well, I don't know, like <laughs> until I figure it out. So you need to have a really good way to sort of time box things and make sure that you're making smart bets on project management. And for this, I have been a big fan of a book that was released by a company called Basecamp called Shape Up, um, where they sort of describe a structure for making managed uh, bets, where you basically say, I'm going to have a managed risk on this project, and I'm going to spend this much time on it. And then when it's done, it's done. So you need to have just good processes in place for that as the team gets more mature. It's hard in Perfect. the beginning. With <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I've picked up, for one, I did not know the word autodidactic, but definitely added a new word to my vocabulary. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> so I want to leave people with something there. If they really were interested in this and they wanted to start building a data science team, or if they have had a data science team that I guess potentially maybe is struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I think about actioning this idea, right? Like, I've learned everything that I, uh, uh, that I possibly could potentially know to start with this from this podcast. And now I want to go build something, right? Like, what do I do next? Well, uh, assuming you don't already have a data science team, I would just say, just start experimenting with stuff uh, and then see what gets traction throughout the company. And I think if you're successful, um, you know, if you say, to make an example here, like, let's say I'm working in a, a go-to-market environment and... I decide that my project is, hey, you know what? I've got all these leads in Salesforce. Let me see if I can download a, a, a CSV file and train a predictive model on this data we already have just lying around. Do that and see what happens and then try it and then just get feedback from people and see if it works. Um, just experiment, just start doing things. And I am pretty certain that within a short period of time, if you do two or three of those projects, I guarantee you that one of them is gonna be a smashing success and it's just going to take off. And then you just start doing more of that and figure out, you know, what are the things that the company could automate or would benefit from just improved use of algorithms or improved use of data. And um, the thing about data science generally is that, you know, everything a company is doing, you know, you know, I mean, go back 30 years, like there were very few computers in the workplace. So everything can be done by humans, but what you need to look for are what are things that our people are doing that are really hard or challenging or expensive, and we can make those things much better or more accurate by using, you know, quote unquote, data science. Um, and I guarantee you, if you just start experimenting, it'll, it'll eventually take off. Now, as for how to improve an underperforming data science team, um, that is a good question. My guess would be that if the team is underperforming, uh, it would likely be the case that they may actually be operating in like an analysis role where people just, you know, drive by and are like, hey, can you make this dashboard for me? Um, you know, that I think is a very tough situation to be in because people really do want to have access to data and dashboards and things like that. But that's not exactly the role of a data science team to provide those things. Um, that's more of a, a business analysis team. 
So I think you got to have make sure that you are having a good process to prevent like kind of drive-bys and you have this opportunity to let people be creative um, and actually do all that, you know, important stuff there. Um, so that's probably would be my two answers to those two questions. I, I totally agree with you because I've personally experienced that data scientists always want to solve the most interesting problems just like salespeople always want to uh, sell the most shiny uh, solution or product, just like marketers want to talk about the next big thing, right? right? Like, 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 like these are creative people. These are not like clinical scientists who are just right. like mixing in. You know, like, like that's not who these guys are. And understanding their being is actually super important. Exactly. At the same time, you know, you, you do you do have to have those projects, but at the same time, you do need to you know do the the unfun thing sometimes too. So there's got to be a balance to be a balance to be struck. But if you're too far in one direction or the other, then you definitely run into problems. And I think that's how you get into an underperforming state. Um, if it's all like you know making dashboards or just answering questions, like that's not a good state. Um, or if it's all just you know goofing off and playing around with fun things like that's also not good either because it's you know also problematic so you got to be careful with it all right well this was extremely educational and uh and and we let's move to a little bit of the fun part of uh this podcast and so we always ask uh, who are two people you would recommend that we bring onto the podcast because now this podcast has taken a shape of its own mm -hmm. where Every guest that comes and spends time with us has the ability to shape the future of this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And so who would you recommend that we bring on to this podcast who's extremely passionate about go-to-market or data science or anything to do with the revenue? Well, uh, I think I would recommend, uh, I mean, I guess this is it. I mentioned her name already, but uh, my former boss at AppNexus, Catherine Williams, uh, I learned a ton from her. And I, she just did so much to build uh, data science at AppNexus um, when I was there. And uh, pretty much like, everything I said about like, how do you have this like maturity and all these phases, uh, I think were things that I kind of learned uh, through Catherine. Um, and then I would also say, this is kind of funny, my other recommendation uh, is also, uh, also named Catherine, uh, my friend Catherine Cornell, who works at a company called Stash in FinTech. Um, and she has a lot of really interesting ideas about how to bring like, new fintech products out into the world. And I think that's a fascinating industry because, um, you know, I feel like finance, although it is a industry which has been, which in theory should be like perfect for, you know, a lot of computer science, a lot of like analytical methods, I think just due to sort of history and momentum has been kind of a uh, relationship driven business um, and with a lot of inefficiencies in it. And it's just really interesting to see how the whole fintech sector is developing. And um, I think uh, Catherine Cornell really has a lot to say about that. Superb. All right. If we were to condense this podcast into a hashtag, what would it be? Hashtag premium content. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and how did you come up with the hashtag? Uh, I don't know. I, I just think the word content is very funny because uh, it's a bit like how, um, I mean, I, I guess I sort of see it as like a little bit of a dark uh, satire because, you know, now because of things like Facebook and social media, like everything is turned into content. Um, and it's just like, you know, you know, it's not a book, it's not a movie, it's not a podcast. It's all just, it's all just content. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit of a funny, but also true, like uh, reflection of I think how the how the world is. But um, 
Also, I think some of the words that uh, people use to describe things can be pretty funny. And I always, I always thought the word premium was funny. So that's how I came up with it. <laughs> so, it's goofy. I, I, knew that, I knew there was a pun in there. I just wanted to make sure people understood yeah. it because I got it right away. I'm like, premium content. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on to the show. I want to just ask one more question. If yes. after this podcast, people want to get connected with you because they want to pick your brain on something that you've said on the podcast or they want some advice or some guidance, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, I think email is probably the best way. And I, I'm not sure if we're going to put that in the show notes or whatever, but that would be the way to do it is email. Okay. You can actually just share your email if you're comfortable on this podcast. When people hear it, they can just like write you an email right after. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's msawich at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Mike, Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for educating us. And I hope to find autodidactic people in the future so I can build my team with them, you know. But thanks again and uh, good luck with your journey. Oh, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 